Amen. Are you sure? Look at this verse. Bring up uh, 1 John chapter 5 again. Look at verse number 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Of God. It was just a couple weeks ago, sitting at the dinner table with my mom, where I confronted her about her salvation. And, and though she, she, she didn't admit it right away, she broke down and admitted that she, she really, really was doubting her salvation. She really was not sure. And, it, and we didn't make a big deal about this, but at the same time, after last Sunday night, I took my dad, and my dad and I were in my office until I think about 8 o'clock talking about scripture and really going over and he got assurance of his salvation and I was praying about you know God what 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 should what should I preach because I knew I knew this was coming up I knew I was going to preach and and God would not take away assurance of salvation from my mind I believe that God wants us to look at this especially with a crowd of this size I think there are people who first are just not saved but I think there are people in here who, if they would admit it, are struggling right now with whether or not when they died, if they were to die right now. You don't actually know. You don't actually know. The Bible says you can, but you don't actually know whether or not you would go to heaven. And you think, for the last like two years now, I've been teaching, or I don't know, I don't know how long. I've been teaching Bible doctrines in my Sunday school class. And if you get a chance to come out, we were actually just started uh, this morning, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And so we'll be going over that for a while. And so it's a good study already, and I look forward to the rest of it. But I believe really the greatest doctrine in Scripture is the doctrine of God. And really, right up there with the doctrine of God, I believe to be the doctrine of salvation. I believe this, and the reason I believe this is because our belief in God will greatly impact our belief in what God has done and will do. And so our belief in God will really help our belief in everything else in Scripture, especially salvation. And you think about salvation, you think about what the Bible teaches. You think, well, well, we have to be saved. Well, why do we have to be saved? Well, we have to be saved because the Bible says, for all have sinned, Romans 3.23, and come short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. Going through, at, at the fair, going through the, the gospel with people, we have the Ten Commandments on the wall right there. And to go through, like, have you ever told a lie? And if we're honest with ourselves, everyone has. Have you ever taken something that was not yours? It doesn't matter how valuable it was. It could be a piece of gum from your mom's purse. When I was a little kid, little, little Debbie snacks were 25 cents. And so we'd be at the gas station, and I'd take a quarter out of her purse, take a little Debbie snack, and go get it, and go eat it before she even knew that I was you know, took a quarter. She now knows. Um, <laughs> confession is good for the soul. <laughs> Doesn't matter how valuable it was. If you cheat on a test, you're stealing the answers. We go through the Ten Commandments to show people, listen, everyone is lost. We have all sinned. And the Bible says that... Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. When we sin, sin, sin is anything, and we do, I do this with my, my son, my son, my, my children really now. I can't just say sons. You know, Chloe's getting older. She's, she's starting to talk. It's so weird. Um, 
But sin is anything we think, anything we say, or anything we do that breaks God's law. And yes, I do the hand motions with them, all right? But sin is anything we think, say, or do that breaks God's law. And the wages, the consequence of that sin, listen, is death. Separation from God. And we know, church, don't we, that if if a person dies being separated from God, they will go to hell. They will pay the penalty themselves for all eternity. The wages of sin is death. But we go on in this verse. That's not the end of it. Praise the Lord. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, Jesus Christ came to the earth, the perfect Son of God, never thought a wrong, wrong thought, never said a wrong thing, never did a wrong thing. He lived perfectly. Why is that important? Well, it's important because the wages of sin is death. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Since he was sinless, did he deserve to die? No. And that's why his death can pay for our sins. Because he didn't have to pay his own debt. That's why he died. He was buried and rose again. He's not, he's not dead anymore, folks. He's not dead anymore. But he offers us, again, the free gift. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, listen, should not perish but have everlasting life. Even though we are sinners, even though we are vile, wicked, cosmic traitors, God loved us and sent his son. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took our sin onto himself. For 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us. He who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It is through Christ and only through Christ that we can have eternal life. You know what we have to do? You, know, you look through you know, Romans 6, 23 and Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and you see the word gift. We talk about this before, but what do you have, to, what do you have to do in order to get a gift? Do you have to work to get it? No. Do you have to work to keep it? No. You have to take it. And make it yours. You have to take it and make it yours. Listen, as wicked people, we have our back turned on God. He is offering a gift. What that means, we have to agree with God, bad sin, turn from our sin, repent, agree with God that our sin is bad, and then take him as our Savior. Make him our Savior. Trust him. To forgive our sins. And here's what, here, here's, here's the, the glorious truth. The Bible says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from most unrighteousness. No, all unrighteousness. See, that is what you have to believe. You have to believe that in order to be saved. And when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he saves them. And they become a child of God. And Jesus said this, My sheep hear my voice, John 10, 27 through 29, and I know them, and they follow me. And he says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 
My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. I would look at this verse, and I look at verse number 28, and it says, And I give unto them eternal life. How long is eternity? Forever. So if he gives you eternal life, how long will you have that life for? Forever. It says, And they shall never perish. How long is never? Forever. Hmm. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. How much power does God have? All. How much power do you have? Not all. How much power does your neighbor have? Does the president have? Does everyone in the entire world? Not all. There is no one who can take you out of God's hand. And that is the solid truth of the Bible. It's clear. But though the truth is clear, doubt still persists. In the lives of believers all around the world. Now at the same time. I don't think it's just doubt. I think there are people in churches today. That really just aren't saved. There was a poll taken in the early 2000s. Where they they polled evangelical churches. Churches that believed you had to be born again. And they polled them. And had the church members give them their. Basically give them their salvation testimony. What they were trusting in order to go to heaven. Based on what they said. 50%. Were unsaved. Because 50% did not put that they were trusting in Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. Wow. It is sad. Listen, you can know. You can know 100%. But I know there's some people in, who, in, here, in here who don't. And this morning, the first thing that we're going to look at is what's the reason for the doubt? What's the reason for the doubt? First off, when, when people are doubting whether or not they're saved, I think it's probably because there's sin. There's sin in your life. 1 John chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, Whosoever abideth... In him sinneth not, and whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he was born of God. You read that verse and you read it right there and you're like, man, I've sinned this morning. Man, I, I might, maybe I'm not saved. And I think there's a reason, that's the reason a lot of times for doubt is we read passages in scripture that talk about how the Christian really isn't supposed to sin. But church, I think a lot of it is because we don't understand really what the Bible's saying. Now, as far as the reason for doubt, listen, you might be sinning because you're not a true believer. That is a possibility. Talking to my mom, listen, I do believe that my mom got saved. She's made professions of faith. 
And there are people who are going to say they're saved and they are not. You think about in Matthew where the, the people come before the throne and say, God, I've done all these things for you. And he says, depart from me. You think about 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Listen, you look at the parable of the, the seed and the sower in Matthew 13. Look at, look at verses 20 through 22. It says, But he that receiveth the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and with Anon with, and Anon with joy receiveth it, yet he hath not root in himself, but, but dureth, endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. And he also that receives seed among the, thorn, the thorns he, is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. There are four different types of people listed in this parable. Listen, only the last one that bears much fruit is the actual one who saved. So you have people here who receive the word with joy but they never actually trusted Christ. And let's be honest, in America, it's easy to be a Christian. Let's be real. It's not like India. I'll never, ever forget one time we had a person from India come here, and they were, they were looking for support, and they showed us their video. In the video, there was a man being whipped. He was tied to a pole, and he was whipped. For his faith. Before they, they, they went to another part of the video, a man took a gun out and shot him, killed him. In the video. For his faith. Listen, it is easy in America to be a Christian. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll go, yeah, I'll do that. We don't face persecution. It's easy. And I think there's a lot of people that with joy, they just, they just receive it. But they never really trust Christ. Listen, you might be sinning because you're not a true leader. But at the same time, listen, the Bible does teach that you might be sinning as a true believer. Okay? You might be sinning as a true believer. Listen, I've never met a single person who's struggling with the assurance of salvation that's not struggling with sin. But I have also never met a single Christian who is not struggling with sin. The key is struggling, right? John 1.10 says, If we say that we have not sinned, that we're not dealing with sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We, we, we have to admit, listen, we still struggle. We are not perfect. We are not perfected. We are saved from the power of sin, but not yet from the presence of sin. Paul taught this and, and spoke this in his own testimony. He said in the tongue twister that is Romans 7, 19, for the good I would not, for the good I would do, uh, for, see, tongue twister, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. In other words, the good things that I want to do, the things I want to be doing, those are things I find myself not doing. And the evil things that I find myself not what I, that I don't want to do. Those are the things I actually find myself doing. 
And this is the Apostle Paul, who, again, is arguably the greatest Christian ever to live. Wrote, wrote 13 out of the 27 books of the New Testament. And he struggled with sin. Listen, it's possible for a Christian to sin. It's possible for, listen, it's possible for a Christian, and this is not where a Christian should be, but it's, it is possible for a Christian to get deep in sin. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 10, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You look here. This is what the Christian life is supposed to be, right? We're supposed to grow and grow and grow and grow. And because we're growing in Christ, we're producing fruit. But here's what happens sometimes. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. And here's the key. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Listen, if you're doubting, I don't know your heart. I can't see your heart. That's why I will not tell anyone that they are saved. I have a good inclination that people are saved. Listen, when I look at Pastor Holmes, I see fruit. I would say there's a great chance that Pastor Holmes is saved. But do I know that myself? I can't see his heart. I can't see his heart. The, the, the only people who know that Pastor Holmes is saved for sure is him and God. And here's the thing. It's between him and God. It's between me and God. It's between you and God. It's not between anyone else, you and God. It's between you and God and you and God alone. But if there's sin in your life, you might be sinning as a believer. You might be sinning as an unbeliever. But there's, reason for, there's a reason for doubt. But just because, just because you have sin in your life as a Christian doesn't mean you're not saved. But at the same time, it's a problem. We can't just be like, oh, yeah, I'm still saved. I'll just keep living and doing what I'm doing. No. If you can sin and win, you're not in. If you can sin and win, you're not. If you can just sin and sin and sin and sin, it doesn't affect you. You're not struggling with it. There's no conviction. Listen, if you can sin and sin and sin and win and win and win, you're not in. So there's doubt because of sin in life. But there's also, some people doubt because of lack of fruit. And listen, if over... The span of a long time, you see, no, you see no fruit in your life, you see no growth in your life, that's a problem. That's a problem. But some people look at their life and they, they see periods of their life where they say, man, I'm just not seeing any fruit right now. And they, it causes them to doubt their salvation. The Bible does say, John 15, 4 through 5, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For, listen, for without me, ye can do nothing. 
And again, we see Matthew 13, 23, the, the last person in the, in the parable of the seed and the sower. But he that receiveth seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some in a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Can I tell you what we need to stop doing real quick? You need to stop comparing your fruit to the fruit of another person. Because you look in this passage, you look in the passage, the uh, verse number five, uh, no, verse number 23, sorry, verse number 23 of Matthew 13. Put it back on the screens for me. It says, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some 60, some 30. God has a purpose for everyone. God's purpose for you might be a hundredfold fruit. God's purpose for you might be 60-fold fruit. God's purpose for you might be 30. Don't compare what you're doing to what someone else is doing. That is a great way to cause doubt. Listen. I say this all the time, but it's true. God might want you to clean the toilets of the church. And in in the cleaning of the toilets of the church, God could use you greatly because he's God and he can do that. Now, you might not think, oh, this is a big deal. But listen, the person who God has called to clean the toilets of the church, if they are faithful into which God has called them, will receive crowns in heaven for it. Don't compare yourself to other people. What has God called you to do and are you being faithful in that? But you should have fruit. You should have fruit. Galatians 5, through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. If you are just always an angry person, nonstop, and you show none of these qualities, but you say, I've been saved since 1932. That's hard. There's something, there is, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. James 2, 17 through 19. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Listen, as a finite, a limited being, all I can do is look at the works of people and see, like, is there evidence? Do I see evidence of salvation? And you know, I know my mom will allow me to, but looking at my mom for a long time, I didn't. And it took me a long time to build up the courage and really to, the Lord push me to, to confront her on it. But I didn't, I didn't see any works. So I personally didn't see anything. Now, did I know whether or not she was saved? No, I didn't. And you know what? I don't have to. I don't have to. God does. God knows. And so sometimes people doubt because of sin in their life. Some people, people, sometimes people doubt because of lack of fruit. Sometimes people doubt because of 
feelings or lack thereof. It's like, oh man, I just really don't know I was saved. You know, I, I, I prayed and trusted Christ in, in 2003 and, you know, it really it was a good time. But, but did you see Jimmy? Man, he came forward last week and he was sobbing. He was sobbing and, and crying and so broken. And man, I didn't cry at all. I didn't have the feelings that other people have. Listen, no, 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 no. If you're basing whether or not you're saved off your feelings, you're going you're gonna to be doubting all the time. Feelings should never be a reason that you should think you are saved and they should never be a reason you think you're not saved. Period. Eliminate feelings from the discussion. Ben Shapiro, facts don't care about your feelings, okay? Eliminate feelings, okay? There's nothing in the Bible that talks about using your feelings to determine your salvation, okay? We have to eliminate that. Listen, there are some times I wake up in the morning and I don't feel like a dad, I just don't feel like a dad. I want to stay in bed. I want to loaf around. I want to do nothing. That's the way I feel. Is that true? No. And my wife will elbow me and say, get out of bed. You're a dad. Get up. You got kids. And I'll say, no. But it doesn't matter whether or not I feel like a dad. I am a dad. I've got four kids. Three on the outside, one on the inside on the way, all right? Like nine weeks now. One for each arm of both of us. They're going to hogtie us, I'm telling you right now. Um, But listen, you see the reason for doubt. Sometimes there's sin. Maybe there's sin in your life. And again, if you're dealing with sin, they're probably dealing with assurance of salvation. There probably is sin in your life. But that doesn't actually mean you're saved. It doesn't actually mean you're not saved. You have to examine. You have to examine that for yourself. But we'll go on as to how to do that. Okay? Now, let's go ahead and look at the response. Number two, the response to doubt. What do a lot of people's response to doubt? What, what, how do people respond to doubt? First, people try to hide it. And I think this is the majority of people who deal with assurance of salvation. They just try to hide it. This is the place where I was when I was younger, really through the sophomore year of Bible college. I was doubting my salvation and doubting my salvation and doubting my salvation and doubting my salvation. But I couldn't let anyone know because I was the best of the youth group. And then I got to college and somehow, some way, like people, like I got put into some leadership positions and, and people looked up to me. And then I was the, I'm, I mean, I'm at Bible college now and people are looking up to me and I'm helping with these things. And, and so I can't let them know I'm, I can't let them know I'm doubting my salvation. Pride. Praise the Lord that my sophomore year, that I looked at God's word and saw what God's word said. 
And listen, I got it settled. I got it settled. I remember every church service praying, God save me, 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 God save me. Every church service. Almost every time I would read my Bible, God save me, God save me, God save me. That's miserable. Can we be real? Can we be honest? That's miserable. That is absolutely miserable. Someone who has doubt in their, about their salvation is a miserable person. Oh, man, the, the, the anxiety that you get because you just don't know. If, if I die today, God, don't kill me today. God, don't kill me today. Listen, when you hide doubt, it just eats at you and it 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 eats at you. Stop hiding it. Deal with it. Sometimes people, they doubt their salvation and so they, they try harder. And if I'm doubting my salvation, I'm obviously just not a good enough Christian. So I just need to try harder. So it happens, you, you don't feel safe. So you just think, I've got, to, I've got to try harder. And if you work at harder at being a better Christian, then you think that the doubt's just going to go away then. Listen, salvation is not by works. Neither is assurance. It is not by works. Romans 12, 1 through 2. I see ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And look at verse number 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, renewed from the inside. If you're renewed from the inside, who's doing the renewing? God is. God is. That ye may prove, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And that ye may approve all things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. What? Look at this. Which are by Charles Kaufman, right? Which are by Jack Foster, right? No. Which are by Jesus Christ. We will lay our crowns down at the feet of Jesus, not because we just think that he should have them, but because when we see him face to face, we will realize they were all done by him anyway. Our sanctification, our assurance, our salvation, it's all by him. We simply trust. We simply trust. And that's the response we should have to doubt. We should simply trust him. We should trust him. Listen, my son hates storms. Every storm that has come through since Charlie has been old enough to react, I have been gone. And every time, the last time, Charlie freaked, he, he ran back inside the house. He ran out of the basement, back inside before Kayla could stop him. And she had, to go, she, had to, she had to go get him. And she's, you know, wrestling three kids at that point. I felt bad for her. 
There's nothing I could do. It, it was kind of a terrifying thing, knowing that your wife is trying to wrestle three kids in a storm. But he's terrified. Listen, this last time, last Thursday, everything went off. We went downstairs. I looked at Charlie, and you know what I said? It's going to be okay. Do you know what he did not do? He didn't freak out. He didn't cry. He didn't run back inside. You know what he did? He sat in my lap. And he trusted me. He sat in my lap and he trusted me. Listen. We can trust God. Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life. In hope of eternal life. Not uh, eternal life. Not a, not a, I hope so, but a hope in, I know. I know it. I, ho- I can hope to this end. I know this is going to happen. I know eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful by whom ye were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. God is truth. God is faithful. Listen, it's about time that we lean not unto our own understandings. In all our ways, we need to what? Acknowledge him. If you're dealing with assurance, if you're dealing with doubt this morning, look to him. Look to him, not to yourself. Don't look at what's going on here. Look at what God has been doing there. Look at what God is doing. Look look at what God has done Trust him. And that brings us very quickly to number three. We've got to have the right doctrine. We've got to have the right doctrine. Listen, if you're dealing with assurance of your salvation, you're dealing with doubt, you can trust God's word. You can trust God's word. It's not about what you think. It's not about your feelings, your opinions. It's not about your fruit. It only matters what God says. It only matters what God says. We trust so much on how we feel and what we're doing and all these things. And we base our assurance and we try to base our assurance off that. Listen, would you enter a building that was built on feelings and not math? Would you? To be honest, I'm getting more and more scared to enter buildings that are new because the culture today just seems to like feelings a whole lot more than facts, right? But would you enter a building that was built on feelings and not facts? No. Listen, salvation is not based on feelings. It is based on facts. And God's word is true. It is true. It will always be true. Matthew 5, 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. 1 Peter 1, 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We'll get Psalm 19, just verse number seven. It says the law of the Lord is what? Perfect. What's the next phrase? Converting the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Salvation comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, we know this passage. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture, all scripture, every word, every letter, every single part of the scripture is given by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse number 17, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How do we get there? It's through the word of God, through the doctrine, the reproof, the correction, the instruction and righteousness of the word of God. That's where our foundation is and that is where we need to stand. We need to have the right doctrine. We can trust in the word of God. Listen, we know that we also can trust because of the word of God. We can trust in the way of God. We can trust in the way of God. Listen, 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. If you're confused about your salvation, that's not from God. Look to God. Look to him. Trust him. Trust him. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen, do you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved? Here's what you need to do. Mark 1.15, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Christ's own words, repent ye and believe what? The gospel. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Listen. We have all sinned against God. When we sinned against God, we're sinning against an infinite being. We are finite. We are limited. As finite, limited creatures, we cannot pay that penalty. We cannot. We have no hope of paying it. The only way it can be paid is by an infinite being paying it for us. And that infinite being was Jesus Christ when he came down on the earth, lived 33 and a half years perfectly, and then died. And now that he rose again three days later, He offers us salvation. He offers us forgiveness. He offers us the opportunity to have salvation. Now, here's the thing. I believe there's people in here who are doubting your salvation. I believe that. I think that's probably true. I don't know. I don't. God does. You know. You're still thinking, you know what? I don't actually know whether or not I'm saved. Here's the beauty. Let's say you're doubt and you don't know whether or not you're saved. Here's what you need to do. 
repent, and believe. If you're not saved, your repentance... In other words, agreeing with God about your sins and believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection for payment of your sin, guess what? He'll save you. If you are saved, your fellowship with him will be restored. Because when we are, if if people who are doubting their salvation and they are, listen, when I was in college and I was doubting my salvation, I was saved. I was saved. But I got it settled. I didn't get saved again, but I repented. Listen, as Christians, when we sin, we turn our backs on God. It doesn't change our position with God. We're still children of God, but we've lost fellowship. And what we have to do is repent, turn back, and then trust. Just trust. Why? Because we trust for salvation. We trust for sanctification. We trust for assurance. We trust the Lord. That is our purpose. That we are, we are here to trust the Lord, to live for him, to trust him, to trust him. Not trust anything of ourselves. To trust him, to save us, to grow us, to use us. Yes. It's all him. Yes. Church, you want to know for sure? Are you sure? Trust him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Can we put that on the screen? It is there. It's the last verse. But have everlasting life. Is there any confusion in this verse? No, Jesus states this as a matter of fact. You trust Christ. And Christ says, not my words. You believe on Christ and he says that he will save you. Believe on Christ, he says that he will save you. Listen, I know we don't like to think it's that simple, but it is. Church, are you sure? Are you sure that if you died right now that you would spend eternity with God? Being able to sit at the feet of Jesus for all eternity. Are you sure?